Ready for the most exciting blockbuster of the summer, 2020 style? Well, we are, because, well, it's hotter than Hades in Phoenix, but we're ready for SummerSlam 2020 preview and prediction show on the Devil Turn Podcast, which starts right now. year it's been and uh we thought wrestlemania was gonna be weird and uh i don't know if anybody expected things to still be sort of weird almost six months later and yet here we are SummerSlam was uh supposed to take actually before i put my foot in my mouth where was SummerSlam supposed to take place this year jorge uh boston there it is. See, see, I'm so used to that show being in L.A. because it was there for like 10 straight years that right. I totally forgot because everything else has been canceled, just like everything else. So uh, is it uh, actually, is, is, is part of it at the Performance Center or where is this event this year? So this event, okay, so it's all of SummerSlam weekend. So we got NXT TakeOver 30 happening on Saturday as well. Yes. Um, TakeOver 30 is happening at full sale. Okay. And... SummerSlam is taking place in an empty Amway Center in Orlando. So they have moved okay. officially from the Performance Center. Okay. So that is kind of cool for the WWE in that they get cool. out of their small little bubble um, and they get to go to Amway Center, which... Is great for the Amway employees. Now, here's my other confusion, and I apologize that we just jumped right into this show. Um... I was under the impression the NBA playoffs were going on in Orlando. They are, but they're happening in an entirely different building. I want to say that the playoffs are happening in a bubble at like the ESPN studios in Orlando. Okay. Uh, is that the, uh, actually, that's not the Disney Wild World of Sports because that's in Atlanta, is it not? No, actually, I be- you know what? I think you're right. I think it is in Orlando because remember, Disney World, the whole Disney World thing right. is in Lake Buena Vista. Okay. Um, Fair enough. I only ask because I know that that's going on as well. They have their own little bubble. The NHL has their bubbles in Toronto and Edmonton. Major League Baseball don't even get me started because they don't have a bubble, even though they had a plan for two bubbles, and then they decided not to, and they have their own problems. I could use an entire podcast with that. But it is kind of cool that they're kind of escaping their little bubble, but then sort of moving to another bubble. Right. Because uh, AEW is still doing all their stuff in Jacksonville. And actually, you have uh, you had some news that you told me. I know it's not breaking news, but why don't you tell it on this podcast about what AEW might be opening the door, not only for wrestling events, but maybe even for pro sports events going forward. I think this is huge, man. Um, so AEW, well, first of all, Lucha Libre Online and Bleacher Report first reported this in All Elite Wrestling, then confirmed it. But starting next week, the 27th of August, they are going to be doing their next episode of Dynamite, they are allowing fans into Daly's place for the first time since the COVID-19 breakout in March. Now, from what we are understanding and from what AEW has said that they are going to do, they are holding up to 10% occupancy max inside of Daly's place. They are doing pockets of two seats, four seats, and six seats 
Everybody's got to be wearing a mask. Social distancing restrictions are fully enforced. But they are allowing fans back into dailies for the first time since March. And I feel like that is at least the start of a potential move in the right direction following this crazy breakout in the last five and a half. So, so the reason why that's big is because I know the NFL has been talking about adding fans to their stadiums uh-huh. in a limited capacity, which if that ends up being the case, that should open the door for some of these other pro sports leagues that are currently doing bubble stuff to end the seasons that were halted or major league right. baseball's case completely derailed. Cause they stopped in the middle of spring training yeah. and they're doing a 60 game instead of their normal 162 game season. Right. So for the, you know, 2021 season or in baseball's case, just the 21 season, I have to believe if we're still going to have some of these ordinances in place, uh, I would think that they're going to at least try some system where they can do something because, you know, a lot of these teams are going to have to recoup a lot of stuff that they've lost from the loss of revenue. Right. I mean, obviously the television deals are one thing. I mean, they can still broadcast the games, but just the, especially a lot of the uh, sports revenues come from people going into their buildings and buying stuff. I mean, they're not going to have that be handled as a loss two years in a row or I should say two seasons in a row. I don't mean to get derailed. I just bring that up because that is kind of big news. Hopefully hopefully we don't have Tony, Tony, hopefully we don't have Tony Khan coming out on their television and, you know, waving off to go to break like he did in that Orange Cassidy Jericho. I don't know if you <laughs> ever saw that, that little gap where they were in break, but they weren't in break, but they were on Fight TV, and then they went to break. It was horrible. It was on Botchmania. It was hilarious. That's, that so, is hilarious. So I, I've oh, – go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it's really, uh, it is a very big deal. I think it's very important. Um, We'll see how it plays out. I hope that it, uh, it works out well Um, because if it works out well for AEW, then you know, WWE is going to do it. WWE has switched up things a little bit. They, 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 they're doing it differently uh, for SummerSlam and then going forward, they're, they're, they're premiering it tomorrow night. So they're going to do the virtual fans um, like the NBA has been doing. So they set up Amway with all their screens all over the building. We've got a few of our podcast colleagues who went ahead and um, registered to be um, virtual virtual fans for tomorrow night. Some got in, some had had, uh, some technical difficulties where the streaming wasn't happening correctly, but uh, they're trying it out. We're going to see it tomorrow night uh, on SmackDown, and then we should be seeing it on Sunday at SummerSlam. I believe full sale at NXT TakeOver 30 is still going to have the NXT peeps behind the, pe- the plexiglass like we've been seeing for the last three months. So that's still staying normal. But for Raw and SmackDown and for SummerSlam, we're going to be seeing the virtual screens. Yes. Uh, so I realized that we just kind of jumped in, but there was some stuff I just wanted to get to. And it's kind of a little bit different of a style that I'm trying out here just to kind of jump right in. Before we get to our SummerSlam preview and prediction show, there was one more piece of news. Again, it's not breaking for this show, which is that uh, Renee Young has officially left WWE. Uh, It had actually been rumored that she was thinking about leaving for the better part of like two years um, because of some different opportunities that were presented for her. She actually thought about leaving for ESPN for a while. Um, And then of course, uh, Dean Ambrose, or the former Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, went to AEW. And, of course, uh, you're working for the two competing companies. So I doubt 
Renee Young uh, is going to show up on AEW anytime soon, if at all. Um, this may be just her exit from pro wrestling in general. Um, you never say never in the pro wrestling business. She could be back with WWE. Um, she may go to AEW. Um, personally, if she really wanted to have a you know tremendous shot at truly breaking out, um, she can make a big splash and go to Impact. Um, I know that Josh Matthews' contract is being is close to being over, I believe, and uh, that would be interesting. I'm not saying that's the first choice for her, um, but in pro wrestling, there's really only three spots right now. Um, not that you can't go do other stuff, but uh, whatever Renee Young decides to do, uh, and I don't want to spend too long on this because it is a SummerSlam preview and prediction show, but it did happen. Um, valued member of the WWE staff, easily their best interviewer, uh, for quite some time, uh, and then she delved into doing play-by-play -play and color uh, for a little while on, uh, what was it, primarily Raw, or did she actually do both? Because I thought she actually did SmackDown, too. But I know she was with Michael Cole primarily for a while there. So, I mean, ba basically what I'll say is this. It is a loss. Um, the WWE is very much of the mindset of you are a cog in the system, and... Basically, everyone is replaceable. Um, but this one stings a little bit harder given the rest of their talent. I mean, if they were to lose Renee Young and Corey Graves on the same day, I'd say they were in real big trouble, um, just talent-wise. And I'm not saying that Renee Young is easily replaceable. Excuse me. Is easily replaceable. But it is a loss. She will be missed. And... Uh, I will not do the WWE thing, which is uh, wish her well on her future endeavors. I will simply say that, uh, you know, sometimes a change of scenery is best for both parties. And not saying she didn't leave amicably, because by all reports, she did. Uh, but sometimes, sometimes a change is good. So whatever she chooses to do, good for her. She did very well in WWE, not only for the company, but for herself as a career in whatever she chooses to do. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think you said it best. The good thing is, here's the good thing. She's supposed to be at SummerSlam, which is, first of all, fantastic. So that means that we haven't seen the last of her. I believe that from, from all the reports is she is leaving in the next couple of weeks, which is great. So we should probably see her at least one more time, which is, that's the first thing. Second of all, a couple of, a few weeks ago, she announced that she is working on her new cookbook, which She's probably going to be doing a ton of marketing and a ton of stuff for that, a ton of publicity, which is great. Congratulations to her. And then third, you know, I, I, Ross, I've been getting, I, I've been seeing a lot of people. They're like, she's going to AEW. She's going to AEW. I'm going to be completely fair. If she were to go to any other wrestling promotion, and I don't want this to come across as mean, I feel like it's a demotion for her. At this point in time, for her to leave WWE and if she wants to continue in television and stuff like that, yo, she'd be crazy. Now, and of course, you know, it all depends on whether or not they want her, right? That's the, that's the first thing. So let me be very clear with that. But if ESPN and Fox, especially Fox Sports, continue, considering that she has what is what I would believe a fantastic relationship with Fox Sports now, considering that WWE and Fox – are collaborating and she was on FS1 for the last six months with backstage. It would be crazy to me if Fox sports didn't try and reach out to her to go ahead and bring her in as an, not as an analyst, but maybe as a host of some short, uh, some show or something like that. Same thing with ESPN 
um, NBC Sports. I, I think that that is the where she should be going now. Um, if she went to like AEW or Impact, I would think that that's a demotion. If she went to AEW, I'd understand. She wants to go with Mox. Okay, cool. But if she went to Impact, even if she were to take over for, jo- for Josh Matthews and be their lead play-by-play or be their lead TV person and whatnot, eh. Well, that is what she wanted to do, is it not? It is. It is. But that's why I'm saying, like, to me, I feel like the bigger step in the right direction would be if she were to delve in more into mainstream pro sports. So, and, and again, it depends on whether or not they want her. It depends on what that, that's what she wants, of course. But I'm just, I wanted to make sure that I got that out there and I'm going to miss her. I mean, the good thing is, the good thing is they still have Charlie Caruso and Caleb Braxton. And, and, and that, that, that's, that's a good, those two have basically been on the cusp of breaking out. And, you know, now Renee's spot is going to be available. And we've been seeing a lot of Charlie Caruso. She does raw talk. And of course we know that she is, ESPN's main backup for when Molly is not um, Molly Kiram Rose from first take, whenever she's out, Charlie's the first one to go ahead and step in as their backup. So Charlie Caruso is doing some major things behind the scenes of WWE, which is fantastic for her. But I feel like this really helps out Sarah Schreiber and Caleb Braxton. Like even for sure. sure. That's huge for them. Um, But uh, I, Listen, WWE loves Renee Young. We all love Renee Young. I don't think there's a soul on earth that doesn't love Renee Young. I wish her the best. I can't wait to see what she does next. She's going to kill it. Like, she has probably been the best TV prospect they've had in a long time. Probably true. You know? So, that. but anyways, yeah. So, thankfully, we get to see her just a couple more times before she ends up leaving. And again, it's been strong reports, but she hasn't confirmed anything. She's been... She hasn't been quiet on social media, but she hasn't addressed it on social media. So it'll be very interesting to see when she finally addresses it. Speaking of social medias, let's plug ours and then get into our SummerSlam 2020 preview and prediction show. Our Instagram page, the Double Turn Podcast, where we have actually lots of very good content that uh, the J-Man puts up there for the show. Again, the Double Turn Podcast. Give us a like, give us a follow, share us, check us out. You can also check us out at our Instagram pages, Ross the Real Boss 85, the one and only J-Man 19, Boss Ross TDT on Twitter. I plan on uh, live tweeting the show, but you never know because who knows in my crazy life of things, what's going to actually happen. I remember the last pay-per-view I couldn't watch live, so I can't really live tweet a show I don't watch live. I'd rather not lie to everybody. That's fair. Uh, are you, and, um, how's your Saturday night looking? Are you going to try and live tweet NXT TakeOver 30 or are you going to? Uh, that is also up in the air. We shall okay. see. My uh, my weekends are pretty packed, so uh, we shall see what we can do. Um, but you can also find this fine show, The Double Turn Podcast. Again, The Double Turn. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, CastBox, and the Anchor app. Again, The Double Turn Podcast. Give us a like. Give us a follow. If this is your first episode or you've, or you've listened to every episode. And for those of you that have checked us out at all, we very much appreciate it. Again, if you are into wrestling, if you have friends that are wrestling fans and you want to catch a uh, perspective of, uh, well, two guys who just simply love the business, one of them that apparently hates early 90s wrestling and the other one that is obsessed with WCW 2000, you can check us out on this page, the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast. SummerSlam 2020, Orlando, it's lots of fun. It's got no fans. And uh, normally, or at least uh, in the more recent past, 
Uh, this show has been a definitive uh, number two show for this company. Um, I know that other events have been promoted very heavily, um, but I will say that outside of WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble, this is, this is right there. So obviously WrestleMania is one. I put SummerSlam and Royal Rumble at 2A and 2B or tied for second, whatever the case may be. Um, because those two have been the more promoted events when it comes to SummerSlam. Um, SummerSlam also noted uh, to be in big cities, normally warmer climates, not always. Uh, but that being said, it is essentially the summertime version of the showcase of the Immortals. I realize it is the blockbuster party of the summer, whatever, and WrestleMania is the showcase of the Immortals. It is WrestleMania in the summertime. It was not always treated that way. However, I'm glad it's back because it signifies that the, at least the WWE calendar is like at its halfway point. So it's almost like, hey, we've made it halfway through the year. You've gotten through WrestleMania season and this is our stretch into the wintertime. And then we get into the Rumble and then we're right back into WrestleMania season. Right. So it's a nice little kickoff to the second half of the WWE calendar. I realize it's not a definitive six months at a time, but that being said to me, I always treat it that way as the second half kickoff to the WWE calendar. And so uh, that's why I'm glad SummerSlam is being taken more seriously. I'm glad that normally most years there are things to be excited for. They normally do a very good job promoting matches, making things uh, much more accessible to storylines. And again, uh, they do fall into traps of booking stuff only for big shows. And that is a trap I wish they would get out of. Uh, but a lot of times they use SummerSlam as the end of feuds, uh, much like they do WrestleMania. Uh, I, I, I kind of wish they would get out of that um, kind of just fill, just formulaic thing that they do. Anyway, I've rambled enough. I apologize. I'm just setting up the importance of SummerSlam. As of this moment, there are eight matches. And if SmackDown adds like three matches again on Friday, I'm going to be pissed because they do this every time. I just want to go into a pay-per-view where I know exactly what the matches are. I can think about it. I can build upon it. And TV is meant to set up those matches for go-home shows because that's what go-home shows are supposed to do, get me involved for the pay-per-view, and not hot-shotting angles and adding matches day of or two days before. Just tell me that the pay-per-view is set unless it's extenuating circumstances and you have to do it at the last minute or there's something last minute that adds to the storyline. That should not happen every pay-per-view. That's all I'm saying. So I hear you. This should be a good show. I feel like I've rambled. I'm going to let Jorge talk now. Yeah, man. No, no, it's all good, brother. You're chilling <laughs> as always. I'm just chilling over here eating my dinner. Got some Peter Pepper pizza tonight. Wish Peter Pepper pizza were uh, sponsoring this episode because I've had Peter Pepper pizza the last four Thursday nights that we've been recording these shows. Um, that being said, you know what? You know what the sad thing about all of this, Ross, which we haven't addressed? We were actually, so obviously we were supposed to have the Hall of Fame ceremony during WrestleMania weekend. And then because of COVID-19, they were like, we're going to do the Hall of Fame ceremony for SummerSlam weekend. And because we're still in the middle of the pandemic, we don't, we don't have a Hall of Fame ceremony yet. And mm -hmm. it's really sad. I, I was just – because I remember they had announced it for this. It was supposed to be JBL, 
British Bulldog, Jushin Thunder Liger, Batista, and the NWO and the Bella Twins. And we're still not going to see it, and it really gets me sad. That being said, um, I'm stoked for this pay-per-view. Um, I agree. You, you mentioned something that made me laugh a little bit, but you are correct. SummerSlam, they typically do in a warm climate type of city. Although the last few years, SummerSlam was in Brooklyn. But the good thing about New York City in the summer is it's like 90 degrees and stupidly humid, which well, you were absolutely accurate. And they did it in L.A. for like five straight years. And, and not trying to piggyback off of what you were saying, I was, I, I was saying typically mm-hmm. it is in either warmer climates or big, big cities. Yes. So like they do it in New York or Brooklyn or Boston or Chicago, even LA. though those are not warm climates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely that. right when it comes to, which by the way, I've never lived in that part of the country. Uh, so for those of you that live there or enjoy that time of year uh, on a yearly basis, I have no idea what you go through. Um, and for those of you that have no idea what's going on in Phoenix, I believe we've had excessive heat warnings for the past like three years. So, I mean, legitimately, we've had we've been in the middle of an excessive heat warning for at least the past ten days. Like, I think today was the quote unquote coolest day of the week. Today was 110. And then Ross, did it rain at your house on Monday night? Because it poured over at mine. Uh, if it did, I was asleep. All I can tell you is I was awake for my job and left for work at 3:45 this morning. It was 97 degrees outside. Exactly my point. <laughs> it's so Hotter ridiculous. than. Hades. It really is. Like, I have to wait a specific time to finally put my dogs outside so they can go ahead and stretch their legs. Because it's 649, and it's still 108 outside. That yes. being said, that being said, we've got an eight-match card to go through. There's several matches that I would definitely say that Ross and I are hella pumped up for. Um, there are some matches that uh, I wouldn't say are questionable. They're not questionable, but it'll be very interesting to see how they play out. Um, I don't see one match on this card where I'm like, I don't really care for that match. And I can say, eh, it'll be very interesting, but there's not something I am wholeheartedly hating. So here's the, here's the, here's the breakdown. Actually, I'll tell you what, Rossi Poo, what do you want to go first, man? Well, uh, even though we do not agree on the fact that all eight matches are at least intriguing, which is fine, we'll get to it one by one. I think we should just get the tag match out of the way first. I agree. Um, simply, and by the way, not because of any of the performers. Um, not that I've turned the corner on the Street Profits by any means. Uh, I just feel like there's a little more intrigue in most of the other matches. And WWE never takes the tag team title seriously anymore because they let 90% of their great talent just walk out the door for no reason. I agree. So I know 90% is an exaggeration, but it's I hate not, it though. <laughs> because I love tag team wrestling. And by the way, as a short preview, we are going to do a TDT's classic series in the very near future in which we are going over some of the greatest tag team matches of all time. I'm so geeked for that episode. That's because our two year anniversary you, episode. Because any of you that know anything about me and how I am as a wrestling fan, I love tag team wrestling. I wish companies took it more seriously because it's awesome when it's done right. So, we have the Street Profits, that being Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford, defending their Raw Tag Team titles against Andrade and Angel Garza. Now, I believe I finally got to see something this week that I had really been looking forward to. Okay. And I say that with a straight face. Now, 
If it was not this week, I apologize. It might have been last week, but I do remember watching it. There was a Montez Ford-Andrade singles match, was it not? Was that this week or last week? I think it was this week. So it was this, it was this past week on Raw? Yeah. Okay. Again, my weeks blend together, but I remember seeing it. That's why I mention it. I had said from the beginning, I think Montez Ford has the potential to be a single star. I wanted to see him wrestle not just a singles match, but against a really good singles wrestler. And I wanted to see what he would do. Because especially since he's playing the babyface role, I wanted to see him go up against somebody that is the antithesis of him, which would be a ground and pound heel like Andrade is. I know that's oversimplifying Andrade, but the point is, when you think of Montez Ford, you think of him flying off the top rope, being super athletic, and just getting his matches over due to the fact that that's his style. Whereas Andrade, even though he can also fly if he wants to, he's much more of a, I'm I'm going to beat you into submission and then put in my, you know, hammerlock DDT and just beat you. Exactly. And the good thing about um, Montez Ford is, and I I mean this with all respect in the world, Montez Ford has probably the best frog splash we've seen since Eddie Guerrero. Uh, That is probably fair. Uh, I I know he definitely gets the height. Yeah. Um, And Um, I know that there's a lot of people who love the five-star frog splash from RVD. Yes. But, um, I mean, Montez Ford has some hops to – He's got some. He's got some uh, pogo sticks for legs, man. True story. So there are two other people in this match. All I wanted to say was I was satisfied, at least in the short term, of seeing Montez Ford in a singles match. I'm not saying it's anything like spectacular that you need to go out of your way to watch, but I am saying that uh, more of that in the future. And I realize it's putting Angelo Dawkins in a bad spot because. I don't think he has the same future as Montez Ford. At the same time, uh, this is a tag team match. I have always loved Angel Garza uh, from his time uh, in Mexico, from his time with Impact Wrestling. And 205 Live. From 205 Live, from everything. Guy's super talented. Um, I'm going to be very honest with you. I think the heels are winning the titles. And I only say that because I really think, okay, they know they have something with both of those guys. They just don't know what they have with both of those guys. I think they've seen what the Street Profits bring. The Street Profits, although I don't like much of their tag team work, Although I make fun of their theme music every time I hear it, they are going to be a solid hand for this division for a while until eventually they break them up. I think, especially since it's the tag team division, and especially since they don't really know what they have in these two guys, I think putting them together is a spectacular idea. It puts a heel tag team with a manager, which I know AEW, like every other person, has a manager, and I feel like their managers are, you know, propping up like nobody's business. But I feel like a heel Raw tag team champions with Selena Vega makes sense. I think the Street Profits losing the titles does not hurt them. 
I think it gives something for Garza and Andrade to do. It gets them, you know, to cut promos on TV about how they can cut numerous different types of promos as heels. They can just say, hey, we're better than everybody. Oh, yeah, and we're also sensations from, you know, not here. I'm just saying, like, that's – there's lots of possibilities, and I think WWE often does not take full advantage of these, and I think in this circumstance, I don't think they have anything to lose – so I'm going to say they're going to switch the titles and we're going to have new Raw Tag Team Champions in Andrade and Angel Garza. My only fear is that this is going to be on the pre-show. I really hope it's not. I really hope the U.S. title's on the pre-show because I could care less about anything else on the show other than that. Actually, there is one other match I really don't care about, which we'll get to, but I hope this isn't on the pre-show, but even if it is... It'll probably go 15 minutes, and I'm picking the heels to be, to be the new Raw Tag Team Champions. Right. Well, let me tell you this, Ross. I mean, anybody who listens to this podcast and anybody who listens to me talk knows that, I mean, Andrade is my boy. Andrade is one of the guys that, I, that is on my short list of, like, that is my guy currently, right? I've said that for, damn, Ross, what, the last two years? Last year and a half since he got moved up to Raw. Or, excuse me, when he got moved up to SmackDown back in 2000. And, 19 um or late 2018 that doesn't matter uh it's funny that you say that they still don't know what they want to do with andrade and angel garza because they've been on the main roster for now a quite a bit of time and it is it is it's, it's very frustrating that they don't know what they want to do with those two in particular andrade because i mean no joke these two are some of the most talented dudes on the roster period like, not, not for small guys, not anything like that. They are just flat out two of the better performers on the roster. I will tell you that Zelina Vega has really grown into her own in the past year, in the past two years. Since she's been with uh, Andrade ever since their NXT days, wow, has she grown as a man. Story. She, she really has. And, it's, and it's, it's awesome to watch because I remember there was a time where you were like, eh, on Zelina. And I think that. I mean, I, I, I feel like you – I'm not going to say you turned the corner, but I think that you could possibly say many more positive things about Zelina Vega now than you could a year and a half ago, which I think speaks well for her development, and I think that's very important. But we're not talking about Zelina Vega. We're talking about the tag team match. Low-key – low-key, here's the thing, dude. The Street Profits have been tag team champions since Saudi all the way back in February. They've, they've had the tag team titles for a while now. It, so I, I mentioned this because you made a great point. I don't think that them losing the tag team titles hurts them. I think that they have gotten to the point where they are the number one tag team on Raw. Legitimately. There's no other tag team on Raw right now that I could say is higher up the, the, the ladder than they are. And that's fine. I think that they need to freshen up the tag team titles a little bit. And with Andrade and Angel Garza, two incredibly talented dudes with somebody who has finally grown into her own on promos and has proven she's not a bad manager whatsoever. Uh, what the heck? Why not? Why not take two? Uh, like Andrade is one of the best submission specialists in the world today, and Angel Garza is one of the best cruiserweights on the planet. What do you have to lose? Nothing. I'm picking Angel Garza and Andrade to win the titles as well. And I like that move. I think it's a, I think it's a healthy move for the division. Um, 
given the circumstance that we saw genuinely good chemistry between Ford and Andrade, and I, I could, I'd be very shocked to see bad chemistry between Ford and Garza. I think we should be in for a treat. And given the size of Andrade and Garza, I could see them absolutely selling like hell for Angelo Dawkins. I don't think that this is going to be a bad match by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not saying it's going to be a barn burner, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was a much better match than anybody's ever going to get a cre- give a credit for. So I-, I say keep your eyes on that match. Keep your eyes peeled on it. And I'm going with you, man. I'm going Andrade and Angel Garza as well. All right. I'm going to need some clarification on this because I think I am not the only one that is confused about what on God's green earth is going on with the United States title other than the fact that they got a new belt design and it still looks better than the TNT title that AEW has, even though the AEW finally decided to finish that belt. It's a whole other conversation I don't need to get into. So, uh, it was a pay-per-view or two ago that MVP was supposed to wrestle Apollo Crews for the United States title. Um, MVP won by forfeit and gave himself the title, but then WWE never officially said MVP won the title because Apollo Crews forfeited the match because he didn't show up. So there were a lot of rumors around that maybe Apollo Crews was turning heel, that maybe he was just, you know, giving up the match, not finger poke of doom WCW style, but basically like, hey, I'm just going to give it to my boss and turning heel, like that sort of thing. So Apollo Crews is still the champion. He won the title from Andrade on an episode of Raw in May of this past year. I know our concept of time is all over the place. That seems like two decades ago. That's how slow and fast time has gone in these last six months. So uh, Apollo Crews is still the champion. So just to clarify, um, so what happened was, I think like two weeks ago, um, Andrade, excuse Andrade, you, you mentioned Andrade and it was stuck in my brain. So Cruz and MVP had a U.S. title match on um, Raw just a couple weeks ago, Cruz won that match and officially became the United States champion. So they officially crowned him once again U.S. champion. So this is, I guess you could say the rubber match or the rematch from three weeks ago because MVP still wants the U.S. title back. So as of right now, officially, Apollo Cruz is the United States champion. Okay, so none of that changed. None of that changed, yeah. And that was all MVP being a heel and saying he was the champion, but nothing ever Basically, officially happened. that is okay. correct. So, um, Shelton Benjamin, I guess, didn't technically turn heel because he's kind of, like, not been on TV that much. Um, but he's hanging out in this situation. Um, Bobby Lashley is also involved in this situation. What's their group called again? The Hurt Business. The Hurt Business. That is a good name, let me tell you. I am a big fan of that name. And what's the name of that group with the guys in all black outfits called? Um, Retribution. Retribution? Okay. 
Yeah. There's there's another name I keep hearing them being called that I will not say on this podcast, which I find even more hilarious. Yes, for those of you that are catching the joke, you know exactly what I'm talking about because, uh, yeah, that's kind of who they look like. Just saying. Popular culture, everybody. That being said, it is Apollo Crews and MVP for the United States Championship. And Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin are barred from ringside. I could care less because I thought this payoff was happening at the last show that they were going to do this at. So maybe they're just going to do it at this show. And I don't really care. So I'm just going to say somehow shenanigans happen, MVP wins. You know, I was really looking forward to this and more because of the storyline. Because you and I have been we, – we've had back and forths on the podcast about the Hurt Business, how much we're enjoying MVP leading Shelton Benjamin and Bobby Lashley in particular, that they look like they could be a force to be reckoned with in the next, in the next few months and whatnot. And I think there was a bit of a momentum, and I feel like it slowed down a little bit. Mm-hmm. However, from seeing what I've been seeing on Raw – it looks like – so it's very interesting that they barred Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin because, man, oh, man, there's a couple of other dudes that MVP has been talking to on TV that looks like he could have them join the Hurt Business and it can make this group really explode. I know that there's been conversations between himself and Cedric Alexander, and I know that there's been conversations between MVP and Apollo Crews and him wanting to recruit Apollo Crews into the Hurt Business. I'm wondering if they finally pull the trigger in some faster, in some former fashion where they finally add more people into the group and either they gang up on Apollo Crews and take the U.S. title away from him or or not they do a finger poke of doom style where Apollo Crews says, you know what? I want to be part of the Hurt Business. Here's the U.S. title. And then he joins the group. Like, I wouldn't be mad at I know that sounds like stupid booking, but I think that the whole premise of this, Ross, is to, to me is to grow the Hurt Business. Right now, the Hurt Business as a whole is bigger than the U.S. title. And that's where I'm personally putting my concentration and my money on. So I'm going to say in some – I don't know how, but I'm going to pick the winner as MVP, and I'm going to pick MVP as the brand-new United States champion. I just don't know how. I don't know if it's going to be Apollo Crews just saying, I'm going to join you. I don't know if MVP, instead of having Lashley and Shelton Benjamin out there, he's going to bring out some, somebody like Cedric Alexander or maybe even Ricochet or just somebody else that's in the back that we could have never imagined that wants to, hurt, that wants to join the Hurt Business. But I have a feeling that MVP is going to, be, is going to walk out of Amway Center with the U.S. title and with more people in the, in the Hurt Business than are right now. I absolutely agree. I have, uh, again, that, that's why I, I probably oversimplified it, and I'm sorry, but it just – the storyline does not really interest me, but they could it surprise me. It slowed down me. a bit. It's they so, could surprise me. Yeah. Um, so I know you are high on this match. I am not. I'm only placing it here because I genuinely do think that both of us think the rest of the card is more interesting than this match, and that is the only reason why I'm putting it here. Okay. Um, so I'm going to try and stay as unbiased as possible given the situation of the match. Fair, Fair enough. Yep. Okay. Uh, that's all I ask. 
Dominic Mysterio with his father at ringside versus Seth Rollins with Murphy at ringside in a street fight. So, of course, Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio had that very weird, very bizarre, very off-putting eye-for-an-eye match, which ended with Rey Mysterio suffering an eye injury, as I do those things with my fingers. Seth Rollins threw up after the match. And uh, this is uh, Dominic Mysterio trying to get his revenge for his father, sustaining an eye injury. This being the same guy that was thrown off the roof in Connecticut. But I'm supposed to feel worse because Seth Rollins tried to permanently injure his eyeball, even though technically... Baron Corbin tried to murder him. <laughs> hey, I'm just going by what the story tells me. Um, so, it is a street fight. Now, part of me thinks they're just going to do a very obvious thing, which is they are putting Dominic Mysterio in a very, very big spot that personally I don't think he's ready for. That being said, it fits the storyline. It fits what they're doing. He got the crap beaten out of him. What was it a week or two ago? It was all over social media where it was just He took some his, shots with some kendo sticks. I'll tell you that. His body his body was just head to toe covered in kendo stick marks. Uh, the other like I could see okay. You want to ask me how I would okay. First of all, I think somehow, some way, it's a street fight. I legitimately think they're going to have Dominic Mysterio win this match. I legitimately think that's going to happen. Now, do I think there's a better way they should have booked this match to lead to more business if they wanted to really continue this? They would have had this be an I quit match. No, not a pun on the eye for an eye match. I mean an I quit match. And the reason why I would do that is because I would have Seth Rollins walk in very confidently thinking, oh, it's Dominic Mysterio. I'm just going to beat him. He's going to tap out or he's going to say I quit and I'm just going to move on with my life. And then Dominic's going to put him in a situation where Seth Rollins is just about to quit. But then Murphy grabs Rey Mysterio, who is not 100% and threatens to gouge or to, and threatens to injure his other eye. And that's how Dominic says I quit. You don't hurt Dominic. Seth gets a cheap win. You build for another match. You move on. That's how I would build it. In this like case, since it's a street fight and you basically beat the hell out of the kid, there's no way he's going to take another beating and lose this match. I realize it's Seth Rollins. I realize it's one of your seven main eventers you have in your entire company. But you're obviously proving that this is the direction you want to go. Now, I understand that there are rumors that Dominic Mysterio already has the gear made, already has it ready to go, and he's going to wrestle as Prince Mysterio. So it would be a way for Seth Rollins to get a very big win over him. Big win. I do end up with my fingers again. And then Dominic's just off TV for a while. And then he comes back as Prince Mysterio. And then you set up something for like the Royal Rumble or you tease it at Survivor Series. I don't know if it's a WrestleMania kind of thing, 
thing because I think you could do something else with Seth Rollins, but that's beside the point. If this is your plan, there are two sides to this coin. You either just have Dominic get his win, and then Seth Rollins can just beat him up, and then you do another match, and then Seth gets his revenge back after beating the hell out of him, and then you do it that way, or you do what I just said, which is Dominic takes another beating, does the Prince Mysterio stuff, and that's how you do that. Me, I'm just going on a limb. The way I see this story, somehow, some way, I'm going to say Dominic gets help from somebody else. Not named Rey Mysterio. I don't know. Somebody. Rey's got, Rey's got friends in the back. Well, well um, I mean, by all accounts, the way the TV has been playing out, Samoa Joe is got beef with Seth Rollins again, and he's been... I could work. Been all over this storyline for the better part of the last three weeks. So maybe Samoa Joe comes out of the announce table. However, uh, perhaps uh, they'll do the very WWE predictable thing. Rey Mysterio, of course, friends with the Big Show. Big Show comes out. We, just when you think he's going to help Dominic Mysterio, punches him in the face, joins Seth Rollins' group for the you know 790th heel turn of all time. Just saying. It, it's a big number. It, it, uh, it needs some emphasis. Yeah, so... You know what? I'm just going on a limb because, quite frankly, I don't really care about this match. Doesn't really suit me. Not really my cup of tea. Plus, we're not counting wins and losses because I gave up six months ago. Dominic's winning. Don't care. I'm moving on with my life. Talk about this all you want because I know you're excited about it. That was no, the most unbiased opinion I could give. That's fine. I, you, did a, you did a good job, and I salute you, my friend. Here you are. There's a salute right there. But I'll tell you this right now, man. Okay, I mean, I have to stress this again. They had an eye for an eye match last month at Extreme Rules, and it was better than everybody gave it credit for. The only thing was that they just had a stupid stipulation that doesn't take away from the fact that they actually, and when I say this, I mean Ray and Seth, they actually had a really good match. I need people to understand this, that the stipulation was stupid, but it was still a really good match, that being said. Um... I'm high on Dominic. I think I've said that before. I, I, uh, to me, I'm looking at it in, in the sense of they wouldn't put him in this position if they didn't, if he didn't prove anything, right? Ross has made excellent points. He thinks that there's a little bit of nepotism going on here. And to be fair, he has all he 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 he's right. I think there is, but I think that we need to give the kid a chance. And so uh, I expect. When you get in the ring with a guy like Seth Rollins, I mean, he's a ring general. We know how Seth Rollins goes, how Seth Rollins goes. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world for a reason. And when you're in the ring with him, he makes you feel comfortable and he basically will do everything he can to make you look as good as possible. And I expect no less in this match between himself and Dominic. However, Ross, I have to disagree with you, my friend. I don't see any way in hell Dominic beating Seth Rollins in this match. I, I, I understand the revenge factor. I understand them wanting to go ahead and put over Dominic because of revenge of, of, for what happened to Ray last month. But this is Seth Rollins, man. This is Seth Rollins. You don't come in in your very first match in the history of life and then beat the guy who beat Brock Lesnar twice in one calendar year. That doesn't happen. That if they did that, Ross, I swear to you, I, okay, hold on. Here's the funny thing. In the last three weeks, I've done nothing but defend Dominic Mysterio. But, Ross, I'll tell you on this podcast right now, 
Dominic Mysterio goes over on Seth Rollins, I'm boycotting WWE for a month. It would be the dumbest crap they've pulled in the last three years. Like, I would be shocked if they put over Dominic on Rollins. I would boycott. I mean, I'll be on the show. I'll be on the show. I'll produce the show. I'll talk. I'll actually, no, I won't talk. I'll just be on the show, making sure to hit the record button and introduce myself and then stay silent for the next hour and a half for the next four weeks. Any or anything having to do with like preview shows. I'd be done with it. No, I'm picking Rollins, man. I am. Oh no. Rollins. You should go bold. You should go bold. If, uh, if Dominic wins, you're just off the podcast for a month. Okay, what about TDT's classic series? What are you going to tell? Hey. Oh, I can do it without you, Jorge. Hey, hey, <laughs> you said you said total boycott. That's Ross's way of wanting me to get off the podcast so he could do it for a month, <laughs> Dick. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, put some, put some, put put some conviction behind your uh, prediction here. I mean, you've already beaten me. You might as well threaten to be thrown off the podcast for a month. Hey, I just uh, listen, man. There's, no, I just don't see Dominic beating Rollins. Like they'd be out of their minds if they were to go ahead and put over Mysterio over Rollins. They hey, really would. Hey, you know what? Um, Dumb, dumber things. Did they have? Uh, did they have Curtis Axel beat Triple H? In a singles yeah. match, or did he win via countout? Uh, he won via countout. Okay. But, okay, hold on for one second, though. At least Curtis Axel had been wrestling for, like, the last 10 years. Uh, by the way, you know, he Cur- was part of the, he Curtis was part Axel, of the another, uh, another form of uh, nepotism, you know. Oh, there, there, you go. There, there you go. But at least, oh, third at least that wasn't yeah. his first ever match in, in, in his life. I, and not I'm to mention that telling- was also an old-ass version of Triple H. I, well, your boy Triple H was winning Royal Rumbles and world titles not that long ago. So don't even oh, give yeah. me that. Don't yeah. even get me started on that. Oh, my yeah. gosh. No, Rollins wins. <laughs> Rollins wins, right. I swear, dude. No, look, lose look, my mind. look, 99% of me agrees with you. Yeah. But it's WWE, and they're prone to do dumb stuff like that. That's why I'm picking it. Plus, I have nothing on the line, so who cares? Well, neither do I, but, I mean, they just – here's the thing. You know who this look, makes re, look really bad? It doesn't even make Rollins look bad, dude. It makes Brock Lesnar look bad. It makes I, it makes Samoa Joe look bad. It makes anybody who's ever lost to Rollins in a big fashion look like a total idiot if you have Dominic go over on him. I mean, I would have, match. I mean, I would have told you, I would have told you Rollins beating him twice in a row after nobody had even come close to beating Brock Lesnar was a slap in the face of all those people, but sure. Well, I mean, I'll give you this. Remember, at least the WrestleMania match, the WrestleMania 35 match that opened up the show, mm-hmm. at least it was Rollins had to low blow him like five times in order to even get him down for three. And not to mention he hit three consecutive curb stops because Brock wouldn't stay down. Yeah. By the way, also it was a huge slap in the face to Roman Reigns who they wouldn't even have, have a clean win over Brock Lesnar. So uh, until yeah. SummerSlam, you're absolutely correct. I a hundred percent agree yeah, with you on that. So, yes. Anyway. Yeah. So okay. basically if they want to disrespect Roman Reigns, they'll have Dominic go over on Rollins. <laughs> hey, I don't know what to tell you. It's WWE. Yeah. I'm going All right. Rollins, man. So you're so you're picking Rollins and I'm just picking Dominic. So yeah. um Okay. I think I want to make this easy. I know you're gonna hate me for this because I know you're really hyped for this, but it just makes more sense in the flow of what we're doing. Yeah, no, Mandy and Sonya needs to be talked about right now. Yes, Mandy and Sonya in a hair versus hair match, and yes. 
it's not a typical hair versus hair match because, uh, well, quite frankly, one of them has already gotten their hair partially cut. That being Mandy Rose, because Sonya Deville attacked her backstage and uh, Mandy already got part of her haircut, which obviously was part of the plan to kind of give her a different look, I guess. I, I, I think she looks fine. Um, and so here's what I will say. This storyline has had start and stop and start and stop. And it's not even really their fault because they've, they had this whole thing with Otis and Dolph Ziggler and the stupid, like mystery guy behind the internet thing for a while. And just a lot of things that just got like completely derailed and Nobody really knew where the storyline was going to go. I mean, obviously, Otis versus Dolph Ziggler really didn't have legs. By the way, Otis still has the uh, Money in the Bank briefcase. I don't know if anybody remembers that. Yeah, he, he still does, and they haven't done anything with it. I know it's only been a couple months, but everybody just kind of forgot about it. Just reminds me of, uh, well, I won't get into it. Briefcases can be easily forgotten about until they're all of a sudden important again. So, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville are having a match because they've been feuding because, well, it turned out that uh, Mandy Rose had a secret admirer and, uh, well, it ended up being Otis. It really wasn't that secret. And so Otis was trying to go on a date with uh, Mandy. And so when it finally happened, it got sabotaged and Dolph Ziggler showed up and Mandy Rose was like, cool, I'm just hanging out with Dolph Ziggler. And Otis was crushed. And so then we got to see the spat between Sonya and Mandy because Sonya had betrayed the trust of Mandy Rose by screwing up the potentially very cool Otis and Mandy Rose thing, which finally did come to fruition. And Sonya Deville and Dolph Ziggler had a lot of egg on their face and like Dolph was still kind of into Mandy and the whole thing. Anyway... It was a lover's trifle, and it's now come to this in the fact of now these two just do not like each other. I mean, they were closer than close. They were sisters. I mean, they were posting on each other's Instagrams all the time about how they were hanging out in the hotel rooms. All I mean, this is a real personal story between the yeah, two of them. Yeah, YouTube channel, Demandy's YouTube channel. Yes, uh, which what's funny is I think are they actually still doing some of that? I realize they, they are. They're just separate in kayfabe. Um, yeah. Ross, did you mention what happened with Sonya over the weekend by any chance? I have not gotten to that point. I was okay. simply going to the background of the actual feud. Um, very quickly, there was a real-life stalker yeah. of Sonya Deville. Um, there was rumors that she was actually almost kidnapped at one point. No, um, that, that, that is the report from, she, from uh, Orlando Police, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Okay. So, um, very scary, obviously. Um, they're in a show environment, and there are nutcases everywhere. Um, so, very scary. Uh, all reports are she's okay. Yes, thankfully she's okay. So, the stalker broke into her backyard, had been stalking her and a guest in her home, which, from all reports, happened to be, that was Mandy Rose. That was Mandy Rose yeah. that was at Sonia's house with her. Um, again, 
this whole storyline, all kayfabe, obviously. They're still best of friends, and they still hang out all the time. Apparently, that was the person who was hanging out with Sonya that night. And this dude was stalking Sonya for four or five hours outside of her house, breaks in through the backyard, and apparently breaks in through the sliding gas door, and her alarm got set off. And the police department got there as soon as possible. They found him in the middle of the living room with um, – uh, what was it? Um, what's the what's the stuff that you use to tie your hands with? Zip ties, zip huh? ties. Um, a few other things. Um, there were some remarks that he made that he was going to go ahead and kill that bleep that was with her in the house. It, it wasn't, it, ladies and gentlemen. This was not a joke. This was yeah, not a joking of, matter. That's kind of scary stuff. It was. Yeah. Um, Glad to so, know that both her and Mandy are okay. Yes. So. Um, so yeah, that was a thing. Um, back to the kayfabe world of this feud. Um, again, these two do not like each other um, because their trust was broken. And they both kind of have a point. It's very funny how the heels have their points, and some of them are actually very logical in some storylines. But a lot of times it's just like, oh, well, like you didn't talk to me over lunch for a week. Like now I just hate you. I'm going to say mean things about you. Like we're in high school again, um, which I mean, I, I get it. Like at the root of a lot of WWE feuds, it's, Hey, I don't like you. Let's fight. Or, Oh yeah, you have a title and I want it. Like I get it. So I will be very interested to see how far they go because I mean, there have been some really bad hair versus hair matches, and there have actually been some pretty decent storyline hair versus hair matches. Um, the two that stick out to me, um, and I realize it was technically not a hair for hair match, but it ended up being a stipulation. Obviously, Vince McMahon and Donald Trump with Lashley and Umaga, that was a big stipulation on a big stage with a show that did lots of buys. For that sure. one was done very well. Vince McMahon got his hair shaved. It led to him being the ECW champion. Stone Cold Steve Austin was the, uh, was the guest referee for that match. He was. He helped shave Vince McMahon's head. Um, I only mentioned that because that was a high profile. Even though it was not a hair for hair match, it was a stipulation match for sure. uh, that involved Lashley versus Umaga. The other one that comes to mind for me is uh, Edge versus Kurt Angle which is why uh, Kurt Angle got his hair cut. Of course, he also had a, a bit of a receding hairline at the time. It, it kind of freshened him up, even though he was still comedy Kurt during that time and he wore the you know headgear with the fake hair. It was, it was tremendous. Um, but again, you have to do this right. I don't think we're going to see one of these ladies' heads shaved bald, but I also don't want like Sonya Deville to just get like a trim. Or Mandy Rose to get a trim because I feel like they've are like that's already happened. So there needs to be like severe consequences for this to make it you know have merit. Um, you know, normally until the last five or ten years, I would say you know shaving one side of one person's head would be bad enough, but that's like in style now of, like, really short hair with, like, long hair over the top. So, like, that would be just, like, a change in haircut. Right. Like, like my wife did that, actually, last year or earlier this year. So, like, unless you're telling me one of them is going to, like, 
shave like right down the middle and like that's like noticeable that like one of them has to wear head stuff all the time like a hat or like a thing all the time to cover it as part of the storyline until it grows back like there has to actually be stipulations other than you get a you know a trim so i will go with wwe logic and say mandy picks up the win here uh she already got her haircut backstage she's getting retribution it continues the feud sonya can get her revenge either the next week or throughout the next pay-per-view I feel like this is long-term. They kind of built it as long-term. The way you do that is you let the baby face have a small thing of revenge, and then at the next match, you let the heel get right back up on top of things and go from there. So I will say Mandy Rose wins, and I hope whatever they choose to do is effective. I don't really care what it is as long as there's actual merit and it actually has impact. Because if it doesn't, then this is just a waste of time. And doing a hair for hair match for no reason. That's like having a match for no reason. Except this is even dumber. I'm just saying. I hear you on that, dude. I hear you on that. You know, I don't know if you mentioned this really quickly. I have to. I was. I had to step away, as you know. Um, Mandy. Mandy's got a one-on-one victory over. Or excuse me, Sonya's got a one-on-one victory over Mandy. Now, granted, it was a while ago. It was during the early stages of this feud. It was after after WrestleMania. So. Um, it was a while ago, but Sonya's got a win on her, first off. Second of all, you brought up the point, Mandy's already chopped off, like, more than half her hair. So unless they plan on having Mandy go entirely bald, which I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie to you, I sincerely doubt, um, I have to see probably Mandy picking up the win here. But here's the, here's, the, here's the kicker. Ross and I have been talking about this match and this feud for a few months now. There was, a t- there was a time during the early portions of the summer that they did nothing with the storyline after Otis won Money in the Bank. They, d- they just put Mandy and Sonya to the side and they didn't do crap with them. I don't know why, because I will be the first person to tell you this. This is the one match that I'm almost probably most looking forward to besides Dave, um, Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre. That's the first thing. Second of all, this has been one of the legitimately best stole storylines this entire summer no joke the promos that have been cut by mandy rose have been excellent the promos by sonia deville have been on a whole different level of a thing that i never expected to see out of sonia deville sonia deville has improved dramatically as a wrestler as has mandy rose since they were um now i'm trying to remember the name that they had um you mean with Paige? yeah Absolution. Thank you. They have dr- dramatically improved. Ross knows how big of a fan I was of their performance at last year's Elimina- Elimination Chamber Tag Team title match. Fire and Desire. Fire and Desire. They killed it. I was, heck, I picked my Fire and Desire to be the final two with Sasha and Bailey because I was that high up on them. These two women, for all intents and purposes, have dramatically improved in every single facet of professional wrestling. And I expect that if they are giving time on Sunday, they will put on a very, very, very strong match. I'm picking Mandy Rose with the win because it, 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 um, it, it evens it up. And not only that, Ross, I'll tell you, I have a feeling that this is one of the feuds that they're really putting their money on for payback in one week. 
I think, I think this is going to be one of the main feuds that's going to be highlighted besides, because for those of you who don't know, Payback is being held one week from Sunday. And one of the matches already is um, the women's tag team titles defended by Bailey and Sasha Banks against whoever wins on Monday night, whoever ends up being the number one contender. So I have a feeling that Mandy and Sonya is also going to be highlighted on uh, uh, one week from Sunday. So be on the lookout for that. I'm picking Mandy Rose for the victory. Um, if they give this 10 minutes plus, uh, I think we're in for a much stronger match than we could have ever imagined. Uh, again, it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be special. It just needs to actually have merit. I otherwise, agree. otherwise, again, you're just wasting everybody's time. That's all. That's all True. I ask. Yeah, I hear that. I just, right. because of how highly I'm viewing these two over the last few months, I have a feeling that they're going to give us something better than just needs merit. That's just me. All right. Now, I realize this is kind of cheating, but I feel like Corey and I kind of decided to kind of do both women's title matches together. So would you like to do the women's title matches or the universal title next? I'll be honest with you, as crazy as it might sound, but it's really not that crazy. I think that Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt is on a lower platform than Asuka, Sasha, and Bailey. So I say we talk Bray and Braun right now. Okay, Braun Strowman, the Strowman Express, one of the worst shirts of all time, is defending his universal championship, not against... Not against Bray Wyatt, not against The Fiend, but The Fiend Bray Wyatt. (laughs) I only mentioned that. No, no. I only mentioned that because he has wrestled as Bray Wyatt. He has wrestled as The Fiend. Has he wrestled as The Fiend Bray Wyatt? (laughs) I know. It's stupid. (laughs) I have to bring it up all the time. Because he's booked to have alter egos. He's booked as two different characters. So I have no idea what we're in for with this match. Are we going to see Bray wrestle half the match and then The Fiend's going to show up and end the match? Is The Fiend going to start and then he's going to morph into Bray halfway through the match? I have no idea. Because it's kind of like all over the place. I'm just saying. Yeah. It's I the way t- they book it. That's the way it is. Um. As everybody knows, I love Braun Strowman. His theme music is still my ringtone on my phone. In fact, it went off while I was on a different Zoom call today, and somebody thought I was listening to, like, really loud music, which I was because it's Braun Strowman's theme. It's him yelling at the beginning of it. I love Braun Strowman. Um, His world title run, unfortunately, has been quite lackluster. It's not even his fault. They put the title on him in an era where it would really help for him to have fans. Um, He should have been the world champion before they put the belt on him, and it's just bad timing. Um, Do I think he will be world champion again for this company? Yes, I do. Um, Because I don't think it's his fault that this just hasn't worked. Um, And again, that is... is that is nothing against the performer. He's just a victim of circumstance. It's just the way it is. I think they've been waiting to pull the trigger on this Bray Wyatt thing again after they badly fumbled it with the Rollins thing. Um, 
and say what you want about the Daniel Bryan match. I don't think it helped, and they just decided to just pull the plug on it and kind of not pull the plug on it. They decided to kind of scale it back to kind of bring it back to where we've been now to kind of get Bray Wyatt Fiend character rolling again. Right, and, and they, they gave the title to Goldberg. Yes. Well, again, that was the hard thing of, okay, this has to be fixed. So we're just doing this and fixing it later, which by all accounts, they're doing. Yeah, and realized, not to mention, re- John Cena helped. Look, I understand nobody was happy with Goldberg beating him. That's fine. But, yes, you are absolutely correct. John Cena in the Firefly Funhouse match was a point of, hey, Bray Wyatt and The Fiend are back. And we're going to slowly get it back to the point where you're going to want to see him do more things. Um, They had their swamp fight that was whatever. Um, the Alexa Bliss stuff, I still don't know how that's going to really pay off. Well, did you see what happened last Friday? Well, there was all that stuff in the ring of him being spooky and her being spooky, but yeah, like what else, what else do I need to take away from it? Oh no, no. Last Friday, uh, Strowman attacked Alexa. He picked her up and, uh, gorilla press. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and not to mention he shaved his head. I'm wondering, are we in the midst of seeing a Braun Strowman Bray Wyatt double turn? That would be terrible. Okay. Okay. I know what I'm about to say is going to upset some people. Okay. But it's the fact. You can not have the fiend as a baby face. Can't do it. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. He'd be too dominant, you think? or No. Okay. That character is designed to not be good. That character is pure evil. Okay. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and you know what the crazy That would be like that would be like Ministry Undertaker being a babyface. Doesn't work. I get that. I get that. I, I I and I fully understand that. It's just, you know, from all the from from all the licks of it, it looks like they're going in that route. I mean, it looks like the Fiend, let me, let me be very clear. It looks like The Fiend has feelings for Alexa Bliss. Not Bray Wyatt, but The Fiend. And obviously he came to her defense after Braun Strowman did what he did on Friday night. Maybe, maybe this is Braun Strowman's way of playing mind tricks with The Fiend, which is something that we've never seen before. We've never seen anybody try and trick The Fiend and actually accomplish it. So I don't know what to say. I, I'm, I am puzzled by this storyline. Am I intrigued? Yes. Yes, I am. Am I, first of all, I'm very appreciative of the performances of Alexa Bliss in this storyline because I think she's doing exceptionally well. Um, and in a way, I think that there's a lot of, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Compassion towards Alexa Bliss right now because of her, you know, everybody's sad that Nikki Cross has been so weird lately with the whole pushing her down two different times because she was obsessed over beating Bailey. And then now Strowman has attacked her, but then the fiend is feeling compassionate towards her. Like, this is, uh, it's been very interesting. It's been very intriguing. I'll be honest with you. I knew that at some point, Braun was going to have to drop the title. 
I think that the whole purpose of this has been to get big man Bray back on the title. I'll give you my pick right now, if you don't mind, Ross. I think that they're going to have Bray Wyatt regain the Universal Championship this upcoming Sunday. I agree. I agree. But again, I'm telling you now, if your plan is to turn evil fiend babyface, that's a mistake. I understand that. Look, I'm sorry. As a wrestling fan, I'm never going to buy into the creepy fiend monster having emotion like that. Never going to buy into it. That's fair. So this is what I think will happen then. I have a feeling that the fiend will snap out of whatever likeness he has towards Alexa and then realize he's the fiend. He's going to try and attack Alexa and then Braun's going to be like, crap, my mind games that I was trying to play with the fiend did not work and he will try and save Alexa and it will backfire on him because the fiend will attack him and beat him and I, I'm calling it right now and I don't know if it's really that big of a call and I'm willing to admit that myself but I could see Alexa turning heel and joining the fiend and actually be the real sister Abigail this upcoming Sunday. What do you think? I think that's a prediction along that I'm willing to make as well. Uh, I think yes, that 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 is viable. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, because of who we are as wrestling fans, I don't think it's going to get the reaction people are going to want from it because I think everybody expects it. Yeah, I know. That's been the problem is the fact that I like I like it. I like the idea, but I would have liked for it to happen a bit more organically. And I think that they got a little bit too ahead of the curve, and I think they've gotten a little bit too cute with the with the with the with not the reactions, but with the um with the things between Alexa Bliss and the Fiend over the last 2 weeks. I think they've gotten a little bit too cute for it. And so now people see it coming. So I'd actually be more surprised if Alexa did not join Bray Wyatt than if she did, which I feel is counterintuitive. I agree. Now, if they would have held off the Alexa bliss stuff until this match and not blow it during the swamp fight, Mm -hmm. it would have much more impact. I agree with you, but I think it needed to happen. I think it needed to, I think it was, I think it was a welcome addition to the Swamp Fight, but you're right. I think they added too many layers of Alexa Bliss into this during the buildup towards SummerSlam that I think that it's kind of ruined it to the point where if they do turn Alexa, it, I think people are going to see it coming from a mile away. And that's frustrating to me because I think that there is a lot, there's a lot of meat on the bone when it comes to Alexa Bliss and The Fiend and Braun Strowman. That's just me. So... We're both picking Bray to become yeah. Universal Champion once again, and we're both thinking more than likely Alexa joins forces with the Fiend. Uh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. Uh, I love the main event of this show, but we have to talk about these two matches that are going on because I'm also a big fan of it. There are a ton of possibilities. This does not happen very often, and I think they should take full advantage of this because I really think there are lots of options they can go with, and I don't think any of them are wrong as long as they tell a good story. 
Now, I realize that there are some outcomes for the Sasha versus Asuka and Bailey versus Asuka matches that people are looking forward to. Sasha and Asuka for the Raw women's title. Bailey and Asuka for the SmackDown women's title. Now, please correct me if I'm wrong, because I am prone to be wrong on this show. And I just want to make sure that I'm getting my facts straight because I don't want to put my foot in my mouth like I've done in the past. One of these matches, Asuka won a battle royal for to be the number one contender. Which belt is that for? She won the battle royal to challenge Bailey For the SmackDown title. Correct. So then she's challenging Sasha for the Raw title because she's the number one contender or like, how did that happen? Cause it's escaped my mind. Yeah, I yeah. want to make sure I have all the facts straight. So Oscar is the former raw women's champion. And uh, the, nah, the, the week after extreme rules, Sasha and Oscar had their rematch on Monday night raw. And in the midst of the rematch, Bailey attacked Kyrie Sane backstage. And so Oscar went to go help out Kyrie and the stipulation of that match was if Asuka won via countout, or excuse me, lost via countout, Sasha became Raw Women's Champion. So when Asuka went to go ahead and help out Kyrie, ref counted to 10, Sasha became the Raw Women's Champion. So because of that quote-unquote screw-over, Stephanie McMahon made the call of making Asuka the number one contender and giving her her rematch against Sasha at SummerSlam. Okay, so that is a small recap of how we got to Asuka having not one, but two title matches Correct. on the same night against yes. the Wonder Twins who have all the gold. Right, and, and, the, and the two ladies that have basically made her life a living hell for the last month and a half who have been screwing her over as many times as possible in the last many, month and a half. Very much so. So... Um, okay, now, I'm not going to get too far into the weeds because I actually think there are also two ways to do this. You can also do the very heel thing, which is these matches are back-to-back. -back. That would be funny, and I could totally see it happening because they could be have it be it. like, they could have it be like, you know, the, you know, Bailey wants to have the match, you know, over with. So, like, she tries to, like, screw her way out of it and get a DQ. And then, oh, yeah, Sasha's out here. Let's just have that match right now. Why not? Or some well, some type of combination of it. Again, I don't want to get too far into the weeds. Or, right. well, or remember, they do I, it. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, when Becky was Raw and SmackDown Women's Champion last year, when she had her matches against Charlotte and Lacey at uh, Money mm. in the Bank, they did do them back-to-back. -back. Okay. So, or they could do it in the probably more practical way, which is one of these is going to open the show and one of these will be in the semi-main. They could do that too. Or something like that. Now, again, this is me slightly digging into the weeds because I like this plan. Okay? So they're heels, right? Uh, is the authority figure on Raw a babyface? I know there's really not one, but is there one? I mean, it seemed like Stephanie McMahon was acting like a baby face okay. uh, in favor of Asuka. So, yes. So, 
in theory, in theory, if let's say they go the route of Bailey and Sasha screw the way out of, you know, they both get DQ wins or they both screw over Asuka and they both retain their belts. Okay. Well, the best thing possible would be, uh, hopefully at a pay-per-view, but probably at a Raw or a SmackDown, you have them defend all the belts in one night. That way they're wrestling three times. But that would be a very heel on babyface move to have the babyface work three times. So I get that that doesn't work, but they're heels and everybody hates them. So who cares that they work three times, right? So I guess that kind of works, but it's just an idea. So you have Asuka, who is awesome. I am glad that they've sort of fixed her. Unfortunately, I think it's going to come at the cost of Kyrie Zane's WWE career, which sucks. Uh, but Kyrie Sane, if she comes back or if she doesn't come back, uh, whatever she chooses to do, she was a really cool competitor, still had an awesome elbow drop. If she yeah. chooses to go back to wrestling, uh, she will fit in very well wherever she decides to go. It's, it seems that they want to have Kyrie stay with the company. It looks like she's going to be the ambassador for whatever NXT decides to do in Japan, which I think is amazingly cool. I hope that is, I hope that comes to fruition. So, um, sorry, I had to take care of that. Uh, good, so, is there a match that you are more intrigued for, or do you put these two at the same level because of the storyline and the competitors and the possible shenanigans that could go on in both matches? Listen, I think most people would say because of what we've seen between Sasha and Asuka the last two, the, the last month and a half, I think more people will go ahead and probably say they're inclined that they want to see Asuka and Sasha one more time. However, I think that this whole storyline is so intriguing in and of itself of not only Asuka trying to take down the two women, the two top women in, in the world really right now that nobody's been able to touch, but of course you add in the potential egos of Bailey and Sasha that it forces me to look at it as I'm excited for this entire conglomerate. Like if I was booking it, Ross, I would say, give this whole entire situation 45 minutes. That's me. Mm-hmm. You know, I say, go do it that way. Cause I don't think you can go wrong. Um, so the way I would book it is have this be closer towards the end of the show. And all of it is together. Mm-hmm. And, I think more people currently love to hate Bailey than they love to hate Sasha, even though there's a lot that love to hate Sasha right now, which is, again, the whole point. This is what I have loved about this entire storyline. Asuka, or excuse me, Sasha and Bailey have been having the time of their lives playing the biggest heels in the women's division on any, in any wrestling promotion right now. They are having the, a blast, and it is showing by their performances week in and week out. And their whole dominating and things of that nature. I love it. I think they're doing a stupendous job. If I'm a betting man, I would say have Sasha lose her title back to Asuka and have Bailey retain. Because, because if the whole end game, as we've been talking about, because there's an end game to it and it does not involve Asuka. The end game involves Sasha Banks and Bailey. If there's an end game to this, Sasha Banks is the baby face. So 
Bailey needs to be the one that basically sat the or excuse me. Bailey has to be the one that's not willing to sacrifice enough to help out Sasha over the fact Sasha not wanting to help out Bailey. You feel me? I do. Yeah. So I'm saying I would not be surprised in any way, shape, or form Asuka re- regains the Raw Women's title with help. I have a feeling Shayna Baszler is going to be somewhere in the building wanting to go ahead and just get sink her teeth into Sasha and, into ba- and into Bailey because we've already kind of seen that played out. Even though she's in the midst of a storyline with Nia Jax, I have a feeling Shayna might be willing to come out and kind of even up the odds. One. Two, I, I, I feel like the biggest heel in the women's division is Bailey, And she's not – I don't think she's willing – Considering what we saw at WrestleMania this year, I think she's still more involved into wanting to be the golden standard over defending her best friend by that smidge. And I feel like we're going to see it play out on Sunday. So here is what I will say. Okay, first of all, is Shayna Baszler on Raw or SmackDown? Shayna Baszler is on Raw. Okay. So, uh, Sasha Banks has been the Raw Women's Champion for how long? Uh, I want to say four weeks now. Coming in on four weeks. Bayley has been the SmackDown Women's Champion since October of last year. She's she's coming on a good uh, milestone there, buddy. I am of the belief that I am fine with long title runs that make sense. I've spoken at length about certain long title reigns that either make no sense or held on for way too long or simply were given for bad reasons. I was not a huge fan of the initial Bailey heel turn. It took me a long time for me to sort of grow on it like it's sort of grown on me and the these two ladies being the champions of everything on both shows is cool but it also has a shelf life um personally i think taking the rug from out from underneath sasha and having her lose the belt is a very bad idea right now um only because people were wanting to see... Because remember, Sasha was off TV for a long time. Um, now, I realize, you know, she kind of, like, took a vacation for a while um, to kind of, you know, heal up, do everything, whatever the case may be. There was lots of speculation, but she was off TV for a long time. Um, and so when she came back, I think everybody was just kind of expecting her to kind of slip into a top role again and kind of go back to it being boss time and her being dominant in the division. And now she's finally in a spot where she's the raw women's champion. And I feel like in this case, taking that away from her and the fans that have been waiting for so long for that to happen. I think you're right. I didn't I think, think of that. I think that's a bad idea. Now, I am not overtly saying Bailey should lose her title on Sunday. I'm not saying that. But if I'm picking one of the two to lose their title, I would have Bailey lose. 
But that's also because, okay, let's say Bailey loses clean, right? And then Sasha wins and Bailey helps her. It probably has to be in reverse order. Like, like Sasha retains her title because Bailey helps her. And then later in the night, Bailey loses and Sasha gets like distracted by Shayna Baszler or somebody else. And Bailey's like, well, you didn't help me and I lost my title. Like that's, you know, now they're bickering all over the place. Then they go into their tag team title match whenever that is. It's not on this show. And Bailey's like, I helped you win and you couldn't even help me win. And then that's, that's of course, how they lose the tag team titles. Because they don't need to have a long run with those titles, to be honest with you. In fact, it's probably better if they don't. Because they need to do something with those titles instead of just having those titles on somebody where they have them for six months and defend it four times. Looking at you, Iconics and WWE. It's not your fault, but I'm just saying. So, it's it just... Okay. You're looking for an official prediction. Here it is. I think they're both retaining. I really do. Because I do think that they're just going to keep up this two belts thing until they don't have to. Which I'm not saying is, you know, until WrestleMania. I'm just saying I don't think it's going to happen on this show. However, I will not be surprised when Bailey loses her title because I think it's time. And I think it gives something for Asuka to do. It puts Bailey on Raw. It kind of freshens her up going back to Raw since she's been on SmackDown for a little while. I don't know how the breakdown would work, but that's how you would do it to where they're both on Raw. And I realize that the tag team titles are defended on both shows. Okay, well, that's how you keep Bailey on SmackDown. She defends the SmackDown tag team titles and, you know, hangs out every once in a while there. I don't know. The point is that if you're progressing the Bailey and Sasha storyline, to me, Bailey has to lose her title first. So, Interesting. Will I be surprised if Bailey loses to Asuka at SummerSlam? Absolutely not. Will I be surprised if Sasha loses her title to Asuka at SummerSlam? Yes, I will. I'll tell but you I don't think either of them are losing. I'm picking both of them to retain. I'm picking shenanigans to happen, and somehow Bailey will probably lose her SmackDown title on an episode of Friday Night SmackDown. That's okay. probably what they'll do. I'll tell you what, man. I'm gonna go. I like your idea, and I'm not trying to go ahead and you know change up my idea and stuff like that. But I like it so much. I'm gonna change my. You've changed my mind. You've changed my mind, in particular because of the Sasha situation. Because I agree with you. I was trying to look at it in the sense of trying to get Sasha to become a babyface once again, but I have to look at it as an overall situation and people are not going to be happy. If you go ahead and only give Sasha a one month title. Win. Sasha, Sasha hasn't had a women, a, a main roster women's title for more than a month in her entire career. Since she got called up in 2015, every women's title she has held all those classics that we saw against Charlotte in 2016, every single time she would win the women's championship, she would hold it for three to four weeks and then lose it to Charlotte at a pay-per-view. And people hated that. They hated it. And then when she beat Alexa Bliss in 17, she held the title for three and a half weeks and then lost to Bliss again. And then, of course, the women's tag team titles, when they won them last year at WrestleMania, they held them for seven weeks before losing them to the Iconics in that fatal four-way so I, I agree i agree you have changed my mind i think sasha needs to find some wwe needs to find somehow some way to keep that raw women's title on sasha's waist and i think the only thing the, here's the thing that worries me 
I, you know what? I think you're right. I think Bailey is the one that can take the loss easiest because she has been the SmackDown Women's Champion for so long that it may actually allow Bailey to refreshen up her heel character to be even more vicious for when the actual real, of course, Bailey's a heel, but the heel turn on Sasha, when she turns on Sasha, is going to be that much more powerful. So I'm going to go ahead and change my mind. I'm going to say that they stick with, the, with all titles on Sasha and Bailey for now. And I think that it's coming very, very soon that that SmackDown women's title is coming off of Bailey, And that's when we're going to see the wheels go in motion. And that's when we're going to see Sasha smarten up and realize Bailey has not really had her back the entire time. That Bailey's basically been watching her own ass, wanting to keep that title on her shoulders for this entire time. It'll be very interesting. I'm not, this is why I'm so intrigued by this storyline. They have done a very, very good job with long-term storytelling with this feud, even though we have wanted to see Sasha and Bailey finally go at it for now, what is what? Almost two years, right, Ross? Oh, yeah. It's been long. Man. Actually, I, I, I think it has been longer. Yeah. So, but, but that's the thing. Like, they, they have told it, not to perfection, but they have gotten you right back in when it matters most. When it matters most. And, and I have to commend WWE for that. And I got to commend Bailey for really, because you and I both agree, her heel run started off really slow. And in the past seven months, Bailey has really turned it on and she has been really, really strong as SmackDown Women's Champion. And then when her and Sasha won the Women's Tag Team Championships, they were off to the races and running and have not looked back since. And it is awesome to see. We are both picking both of them to retain. There it is. Yep. And I'm just sad because I want to see Asuka be on top of the division, but she'll have her time again. I feel like this story is bigger than her. Main event time because uh, if this isn't the main event, I may boycott this show for a month. I'm just saying because this is, yeah, I'll say it. This is a match everyone has wanted to see. Like, if you are a Randy Orton fan, if you are a Drew McIntyre fan, if you are a wrestling fan, uh, you can now scratch this off your bingo card because you are finally seeing a pay-per-view match with these two. Can I ask you a question? Is this batch, is this the biggest match of Drew McIntyre's career? Uh, is this the biggest match of his WWE career? If you want to say his WWE career or his pro wrestling career, just so here's okay. Here's here's my answer to that. Him beating Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania in front of tens of thousands of people would have been a bigger moment. However, however. If you're asking me if this is a match that could be a career-defining match for Drew McIntyre, absolutely. Absolutely. Because of his opponent. Because his opponent is GOAT status. I mean, and by the way, that's not to say that Brock's not GOAT status, but Randy Orton, Randy Orton's Randy Orton, man. I will I will say this very intently, because I do believe it. And I realize that I've said this about lots of people, but I really do mean this when I say this. 
when Randy Orton's on his game, when he is at his peak, right now, there's nobody better than him. Absolutely nobody better than him. In any company. How unreal is that? Dude's 40. Because, and by the way, I love Chris Jericho. I love AJ Styles. I love lots of people that are currently still in this wrestling business. When he's on his game, there is nobody better. Is this, is this the best Randy Orton you've ever seen? As a complete package, it's up there. It's up there. I mean, is he's it? had some really good peaks and valleys to his career. Yeah. I mean, as a career, he's, he's, he's going to go down as one of the best ever. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's Now, I'm about to give it a very big compliment. Okay, as much as I have my feelings about ya boy Triple H, it is very evident how much Ric Flair and Triple H have rubbed off on Randy Orton. And by the way, those aren't the only two guys. John Cena, Edge, Dave Batista, Dave Batista, Taker, The Undertaker. It's amazing. And by the way, it's very, very obvious what each of those guys. Oh, and by the way, I'll add another name that absolutely made Chris or that absolutely made Randy Orton the performer that he is today, and that's Chris Benoit. You so, read my mind. So, and by the way, it's very evident in little things he does as to what makes him great. Now I realize I just propped up Randy Orton, so now I'm going to prop up Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre for this age of wrestling, is the, is, is the complete package. He can cut promos. He can mat wrestle you. He even does a little bit of high flying. He, uh, he can he's beat six, you down. Seven. He's got the look. He's got an awesome finisher. He's imposing physically. He's made an awesome baby face. He was an awesome heel. He's We're going been to cover. A, he's been a very good dominant babyface champion. He's been a good dominant wrestler for a while. He has been. And, and when they decided to finally put him in a position to win the world title, I didn't believe it at first because I was like, this guy has been ready for at least two years. And I was really afraid they were not going to go the route he needed to go. I was really worried. I, you know, I'm not saying he was going down the Cesaro path, but I was worried. And the guy has busted his ass to get to where he is. He's, he's, he's the best world champion in wrestling right now. He is. Now, I I, I say that, I say that, and when AEW puts the world title on Chris Jericho, there's an argument. Because I guarantee you I think that's going to happen again because I think that company needs it. Chris Jericho being the AEW world champion is on par with Drew McIntyre being the WWE champion right now. I'm actually I say a little that, bit surprised, surprised you say that because I know that you've been on the MJF train for a long time. I understand that. And when they decide to do MJF – 
it will be big, but they're clearly not going to do that right now. I'm saying when they put the belt back on Chris Jericho, it will be at that level. MJF, as great as he is and as great as I know he's going to be as a world champion, I think they're going to slow burn that because I think people want it so badly yeah. that they want to make sure they do it right. So, so that's why I bring up Chris Jericho, mm-hmm. because as far as I'm concerned, Chris Jericho, pretty much everything he's doing in AEW is phenomenal. I so, so right now, Drew's the best world champion that we have in wrestling. And Randy Orton may be the best in wrestling period right now, just overall. Character, wrestling, out of ring, promos, everything. Everything. This better be a long match. If this goes 15 minutes, I'm going to be upset. I'm not kidding. This needs to go 20. I'd be fine with it going longer, but I think it needs to go 20. Because I need to see a story told. I need to see Drew McIntyre, Babyface in Peril. I need to see overconfident Randy Orton thinking he's got the upper hand in a feud where physically he is not the imposing person in this match. I need Randy Orton to feel like, oh my gosh, I thought I was the best. And then this guy kicked my ass because guess what? He had a feud just like that. Do you remember who it was with? Edge? Yes. But it was also sort of with Triple H. It what? was the it was the you're the man, but I know I can beat you. Or I'm the man and I don't think you can beat me. It's simple. And so I need the ebbs and flows. I need the balance in the match. I need a story told. It's SummerSlam. Yeah. This is not some podunk show thrown away in the middle of the year. Mm-hmm. This is SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. You want to prove to me that you're going all out with Drew McIntyre? Mm-hmm. You want to prove to me that Randy Orton's still a big piece of this company? This match needs to be a candidate for WWE for match, match of the year. I agree. I, well, now, I realize I'm putting that on a very high pedestal, and I might be putting myself in a position to be disappointed. I understand that. However, if this is... Oh, and by the way, Drew McIntyre is going to kick out of one RKO. I don't need him to kick out of seven. I just need him to kick out of one. Okay? He needs to kick out of one. It needs to be after Randy Orton has beaten him down. I'm not saying Drew needs to hulk up. I'm saying Randy Orton needs to feel confident that he's beaten him. Drew McIntyre kicks out, and Randy Orton goes, oh, crap, because not everybody does that. And so then Drew can make his comeback, and then Drew can kick him in the face with a Claymore, and Randy Orton can kick out once. And Drew McIntyre goes, oh, my gosh, maybe this guy is better than me. Not – not total doubt, because he's still he's still the man, right? But then, just when you think Drew's done, Claymore, one, two, three. I'm picking Drew to retain. I love, I love this Randy Orton. 
and this Randy Orton being WWE champion could work. It could. But Drew getting this win, Drew getting this win, puts him up another level to where he's been. And he needs that, and this company needs that. Because quite frankly, Roman Reigns ain't walking back through the door anytime soon. Randy Orton's a made man. Randy Orton does not need this win. Drew McIntyre needs this win. Drew McIntyre needs to be the face of this company. And Drew McIntyre needs to take the next step and retain his WWE championship. I think you've made some very formidable points. I think that you have explained yourself very eloquently. I want to go ahead and bring something to your attention. Um, in this entire COVID time frame, what would you say has been the best match, the best title defense Drew McIntyre has had? Would you say it was the Ziggy Pop match at Extreme Rules, or would you be inclined to say it was the Rollins match at Money in the Bank? I have a I'm feeling. Gonna be, I'm going to be fair. Uh-huh. Rollins of, brought everything out of McIntyre at Money in the Bank. I agree. However, I did like the Ziggler match because of the story within the match. I agree. I agree. So I hear that. I'm going to cop out and say it's a tie because. By the way, are those his only two title no, defenses? No. no, no, he had Lashley as well. Oh, and see, that was a no win for either of them because they rushed it. True, but good point. But I'm not trying to – here's the thing. I'm not no, trying no. to disperge his title defenses. Being, no, yeah. no, I'm just being honest. So if you want my opinion, the Lashley thing was rushed. The Rollins match was good for its reasons, and the – Ziggler match was good for its reasons. I hear so you. I'm going to cop out and say they're both good. That's fine. That's perfectly fine. The reason I bring up Rollins in particular, though, Ross, is because I looked and that match went 19 minutes, 19 minutes and 20 seconds to be exact. What, the reason I bring this up is obviously, you know, Rollins is a very fast paced wrestler, even though he's a heel. Even though he's a heel, he still did great heel things against McIntyre at Money in the Bank that I was still like, oh my gosh, this match is still unbelievably good yet it was still a fast-paced match, which I was able to appreciate. And it went 19 minutes, and I thought that it went longer. When I looked, I was like, oh, 19 minutes wasn't actually that bad whatsoever. My, and you, you said, one point you said that, that really stuck with me was, if Randy and Drew only go 15, it's going to upset you. I agree. I don't want them to go 15. I think that they need to go 20-plus. I do, because I think there's a lot of story to be told between these two that needs to be told. And I think that this has serious potential to be the best of Drew McIntyre's title defenses up to date. And that's saying a lot because his, ma his Rollins match was fire. And then all of a sudden he came and even had a bitter, better showing with Ziggler at Extreme Rules. Because I love that match. I told you, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. It was easily the best match at Extreme Rules. <sighs> this is the best Randy Orton I've seen in like 10 years, bro. This is, the, this is a mixture of 09, killing everyone, Randy Orton. 04, legend killer, Randy Orton. And then you saw like you saw little snippets of it with the Kofi feud last year, where we were seeing like a really great heel, Randy. Like, and I mean a really good heel, Randy. And that probably was a lot in the sense of 
him being motivated to re to work with Kofi again after their debacle a few years back. And it was really cool to kind of see that come full circle again, but this is the best Randy we've seen in the last 10 years. And you add in the fact of his magnificent performance at backlash versus edge. And you add in the fact that he had that killer performance at, in the last main standing match with edge. And we, and you've seen Randy Orton be rejuvenated. And I have to throw in the fact we have not seen Randy Orton as a WWE or a world champion in any way, shape or form in the last three years. Last time he was WWE champion was the night that he lost to gender in Chicago in 2017. And wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We got, you got to remember that. That's the last wow. time we saw Randy as champ. So it's been a minute. It's been a hot minute. He is a 14-time champion, and I know a lot of people are going to say he doesn't need it. You're right. He doesn't need it. But at the same time, you know what does need it? Two things need it. Raw needs it. McIntyre needs it. And I'll explain to you why McIntyre needs it. McIntyre is a perfect babyface right now. But McIntyre is a babyface. And you always say it. A babyface needs to chase. And if there's one guy who he should be chasing right now, Roswell, it is Randy Orton. It is Randy Orton, especially with Randy Orton being at the point that he is in his career. Oh my God, did, you, did anybody see what happened on Monday night with Shawn Michaels? Did anybody see two weeks ago when he obliterated Ric Flair? You say Claymore, one, two, three, Drew retains. I say punt, Randy Orton becomes champ. If you go the punch route, Drew has to be off TV for months. He has to be. He, okay. I don't know about months. I would say he, weeks, but I want to he, say months. He can't just show back up on Raw and be challenging him at the next pay-per-view. Well, let me ask you a question, because here's my problem. If, if Drew retains, mm-hmm. who, is, who is better than Randy that can challenge him? Randy can challenge him again. I feel like it's not going to have as much emotion as it's having right now at SummerSlam. So I feel like it would be, it would need to be somebody else personally. That's just me. I'm, I'm just here to tell you that you can have, okay, here's what you can do. Mm-hmm. Randy Orton loses, right? Comes out on TV this week says, all right, I don't think Drew beat me. I, th- I think I'm still better than him. And he goes through the roster on on that show and just goes, yep, tonight you're dying. Punts him in the head. Done. Drew McIntyre comes out, goes, dude, that's not cool. Right. Next week, Randy Orton comes out. Okay, Drew, I want my rematch. Not going to give it to me? All right. I'm going to punt somebody else in the head tonight. Does it. Done. And it leads to Drew finally being like, all right, stop killing people. I'll give you your rematch. And they can make it a stipulation match. Something that favors Randy Orton. They can draw this out. Oh, I'll tell you what they could do. They could go ahead and basically make it be that Drew can't use the Claymore. And that seems, I mean, that seems a little simple, but yeah, it it just, okay. By the way, they have another pay-per-view in a week. It's called Backlash. So Randy can just, I'm sorry, you're right. Payback. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, Randy can just do this this week on television and just get another rematch. That's a very good point. That's a good very. That's a very good point. Because okay, okay, let's say let's say we do your way, right? Mm-hmm. And he punts him. Yeah. Uh, Drew can't challenge him at the next pay per view. That's good a week. Point. You're right. Okay. No, no, you're right. So so then it's back to okay. 
If Drew loses, who's challenging Randy? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, we're we're, so, we're in a weird position right now. Yeah. Now, now, if Randy loses, Dominic Mysterio. <laughs> okay. Now, stop. Now, if Randy loses, is there another heel to step up and challenge Drew at the next pay per view? Just, I, I'm trying to think. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe MVP could push Lashley to go ahead and get back into that world title scene again. Maybe, but you really I really want to I, see Lashley and Drew again. I wouldn't. Because yeah. again, it would be rushed again. It would be rushed again. Because it would be a week. A sure. week of build. No, no. And by the way, I haven't made my official pick yet. I was just trying to give you the scenario of, you know, no, Randy no. punting uh Drew, but you're you make good compelling. I'm being case. I'm being I'm being devil's advocate. I apologize yeah. if I if I seem like I'm oh, attacking no, no. you. I'm no, being no, devil's not advocate. No, no, no. I, I think that WWE is in a very interesting position where both dudes could get the win and this this is the match of the weekend where I have not the slightest clue who could get away with it. And, and I, I think that's probably what makes this SummerSlam so intriguing, Ross. Like, you know, you look at the Sasha Bailey Oscar storyline. What are they going to do with that? Are they really going to go ahead and give the universal title back to Bray? What the heck is going to go on between Dominic and Seth? Mandy and Sonya. And then you add it all in with Drew and, 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 uh, and Randy. They've really got a situation in a pay-per-view where you could go ahead and say i'm going to be surprised by a lot of these matches and heck even nxt even takeover 30's got some some stories in there you have no idea where they could go like whether or not keith lee is actually going to retain over carrion cross or hell pat mcafee is he, are they actually going to put him over adam cole like there's i have to give ww a lot of credit they have kind of kept you in the dark in a good way with a lot of these stories over the last few weeks. And that is something they have not been able to do for a really long time. So I guess, I guess would I like to see Randy Orton be the WWE champion again? That would make him a 15 time champion. If I'm not mistaken, Ross, I think, let me, let me go ahead and verify. Let me make sure that my, uh, my history is correct on that. I mean, Randy Orton, Andy Orton is a – he has the fourth most world championship victories. Yeah, he is a 14-time world champion, man. That All is right. – that's a, that's a lot. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I'll, I'll take Drew. I'll take Drew like by that much, by that much. But I think that this story potentially needs to end in the next month or so or not end, but I will not be surprised if Randy picks up the WWE championship in the next month and a half from Drew. I have a feeling that's probably going to be the case. I am also picking Drew, obviously, uh, as I said. So um, did we pick anything different on this show? Yeah, we did. We uh, picked uh, Dominic and Seth separately. All right. Yeah. The match that I could really care less about, but that's okay. <laughs> I already prefaced it with that, and I tried to be as unbiased as possible. I don't really care about that match, everybody. If it happens, if it doesn't happen, if it's worthless, if it's you know the best thing on the show. By, by the way, I'll, my apologies. Randy maybe I'll quit watching WWE. So. A thirteen-time so, world champion. All right, so that would make him a fourteen-time world champion. Correct. Alrighty then. So, um. I don't know what to expect with this show. This show could be great. 
the show could have 12 matches, and I don't know what else is happening, but we just previewed and predicted the eight matches that are on the show. Um, it is going to look a little different because they are not at PC. They are in Orlando, so it is uh, going to... I'll be interested. I mean, I'm sure it's not going to be too much different than the mm -hmm. setup that they had. I'm sure they will do a couple of different things camera-wise because they will actually be in a bigger place than the PC. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what they do with that, and we'll see how they format the show. Perfect. Uh, Let me ask I'm, you this, Ross. I'm looking forward to it, so we'll see. Awesome. I am too. I think that this is very, um, again, this is SummerSlam that has the potential to be very good. This SummerSlam reminds me of this past year's WrestleMania where we were in for a ride where we did not know what the heck to expect, and WrestleMania ended up being one of the better WrestleManias we've seen in the last 15 years. Um, so I, I agree with you 100%. Um, before we get out of here, I know we're going to recap our, our picks and all that good stuff. Can I ask you, because we really didn't talk too much NXT, is there a match in, at TakeOver 30 that you're looking forward to the most? Um, that is a good question. Uh, take over 30. I'll tell you what I'm not looking forward to is, um, there's a match at take over 30. I'm not looking forward to. And I forget which one it is. It is doesn't it matter. Um, Pat McAfee? Possibly. Po yes, it is actually. I, I, I whatever. Um, there's a lot of people that aren't necessarily looking forward to that match. I'm actually in the minority. I'm actually kind of hyped for that match. After I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Okay, I'm going to say this politely. NXT has gone backwards in a lot of respects because of how they're doing against AEW. I understand that. And I've had my thoughts about NXT for a long time, and WWE has not really helped things because one month they are saying it's a third brand, the next month they're saying it's a separate entity, the next month they're saying it's a training ground for Raw and SmackDown, but then none of those guys actually... It's NXT is like in its uh, honestly, it almost feels like NXT is a third company sometimes. Like, yes, it has WWE backing, but it feels so far removed from WWE that I feel like it's a it's just a separate company. And Do you think it's a bad thing? Uh well. For for some things, yes, I do think it's I do think it's a de it's a detriment. Fair so, enough. I'm going to be honest. Not overly excited for Takeover 30. Not that's overly fair. excited for it. But that's again full disclosure. AEW Dynamite, at least eight or nine times out of ten, has a better show. That's my opinion. Some of you think NXT is better than AEW Dynamite. You're entitled to your opinion. That's fine. Um. To me, if I'm going to watch one thing on Wednesday, I'm sorry, if, if I'm going to watch one thing live, wrestling-wise, during the week, it's going to be Dynamite. That's me. Because to me, when it comes to wrestling, 
that is the most much watched show. Long story short, do I really care about TakeOver 30? Not really. Is there really a match I'm looking forward to? Eh. Okay. That's fair. That is so, fair. That's why I asked you eh. the question. So. Eh. Gotcha. By the way, it is uh, heavily raining at my house, and it is time for me to go to bed. So Yes. Um, it's not raining at my house yet, but I did get the warning that there is some severe weather here in our area. For those of you who were like, I thought you talked about we had a heat wave. Well, you know, we're also in the middle of something called monsoon season um, as well here in the great state of uh, Arizona. So sometimes yeah. we get these storms that come out of nowhere. So let's do a quick recap. Ross and I are both picking for SummerSlam 2020. Uh, this, um, we're picking Andrade and Angel Garza to win the Raw Tag Team titles from the Street Profits. We are picking MVP in some way, shape, or form to end up being the United States champion, champion once again or just be the new United States champion because he really never was. And we have a feeling that either Apollo Crews will end up joining the Hurt Business or potentially somebody from the outside. I've said Cedric Alexander or potentially Ricochet. It seems like Ross may agree with me on some of those picks, um, but we are definitely both picking MVP uh, to become U.S. champ. We have both agreed that Sonya Deville is going to lose to Mandy Rose and get her hair cut off at SummerSlam. We have both agreed that the fiend Bray Wyatt will walk out Universal Champion along with Alexa Bliss by his side. Um, we have both come to the agreement. Oh, I'm sorry. This is where we disagree. I am picking Seth Rollins to win the street fight. Ross is taking Dominic Mysterio to win that street fight. We have both agreed that Sasha and Bailey will end up somehow, some way screwing over Asuka and retaining their respective Raw and SmackDown Women's Championship. And to clean it up, to clean house, we're both going with Drew retaining over Randy Orton and what we think could potentially be easily the best match of not only the weekend, but perhaps a strong candidate for best match of the year. Is there anything else that we need to go over, old friend? It is not. Of course, uh, next week is a bit of a double episode. Yes. Because... Special guest, too. We have a SummerSlam review show, and then we also have a payback preview and prediction show. Who is our special guest next week? Our good buddy Tom, the thunderous wizard from Hops and Box Office Flop, stopping by, wants to go ahead and talk some SummerSlam with us. We're pumped to have him back on. He's always a great guest. He's Seriously, I know we always say guests are great guests, and they are, but Tom has been spectacular every single time he's been on. We love having him on. He's a good buddy of ours. Uh, we're in the midst of working some stuff uh, behind the scenes where we might do a special bonus episode with Tom. And then, of course, uh, Ross and I have been kindly invited to go back on to Hops and Box Office Flops next month, uh, talking some Stallone movies. Ross and I are trying to figure out what we're going to bring to the table. But uh, yeah, so our buddy Tom, the Thunderous Wizard from Hops and Box Office Flops, joining us. Um, we're going to talk what happens at, Survivor, at SummerSlam, excuse me. We're going to talk what happens, what we think is going to happen at Payback. And then the week after that, we got to take a look at what's happening on, uh, at All Out. So we, we've got a busy couple of weeks over here. At we do. We really do. And not to mention our two-year anniversary of the Double Turn Podcast coming up in about two and a half weeks' time. And we are super-duper stoked for that. Um, we're going to be talking the greatest tag team matches that we love. And uh, that's going to be a bang. It's going to be a banger for sure, as every single one of our episodes is. 
going to do it for this episode for the J-Man. I'm Boss Ross, and you've been listening to the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast. And we will catch you on the flip side. <laughs>